Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. So I love the 4th of July, and it's actually my second favorite holiday. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, because what could be better than football and food? Love Thanksgiving, but my second favorite holiday is the 4th of July. And I want to talk about something that happens every summer, and it happens as regularly as clockwork. It happens as regularly as fireworks on the 4th of July, and that is that about two weeks before the first day of school, your admissions director, if you have one, maybe it's you, you get a phone call from a family that you've never heard from before. It's two weeks before the first day of school, and they want to come, they want to enroll their kids, and they want to do it in a hurry. They're like, okay, you know, we're, we've decided, we're so excited, we want to, we want to come to your school, and um, you're up to your eyeballs with getting ready for the school year, with fine, final adjustments to the schedule, and with teacher in service, and just all these things, and like I said, it happens every summer, like clockwork, that Within a few days, not necessarily a few days, but that happens sometimes too, but certainly a couple weeks before school, a family calls, never heard from them before, and they want to enroll. Well, I want to let you know that my antenna goes up when I get that call, and my sample size of August phone calls asking about enrollment my sample size is 32 years, and I would say that in about 75% of the cases that when it, I have enrolled someone close to the start of the first day of school, that it hasn't worked out very well. And in about 25% of the cases, it's been just fine. And so on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, I want to talk to you about the five red flags that you should watch for when enrolling new students in August. And I have a couple of disclaimers, but I'll give you those in a moment. But before I give the disclaimers and jump into the content for today, our five red flags, I want to tell you about a free gift for you just for listening to the podcast. I want to show my appreciation for you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this every week. And this free resource is called The Six Things That Every Private School Teacher Wants From Their Leader. And this guide is a six-page PDF that could be a real game changer for you as a leader. And I guarantee that if you do these six things that your teachers will be happy to follow you. And you can get that guide by going to theprivateschoolleader.com slash guide. 
Um, again, that's the six things that every private school teacher wants from their leader, a free gift for you to say thanks for listening to the podcast. And then I also want to make sure that you check out the plug and play PDs that are free for you over at the website. And if you go to the privateschoolleader.com slash resources, there are three plug and play PDs there. And you might say, well, what the heck is a plug and play PD? Well, it's a 45 minute webinar with guided notes and discussion questions. It's something that you could use with your teachers during teacher in service or to just train up a teacher in an area where you think they need some growth. And the titles are, first of all, the top six ways to build effective relationships with difficult parents. Another one is called the seven habits of highly effective private school teachers. And if you are looking to implement growth mindset at your school, there is a plug and play PD called turn pedestal kids into gritty kids by implementing growth mindset. Again, those are free for you to use with your teachers and you can get those over at the private school slash resources. Okay. So I'm talking about red flags my antenna goes up when I get a call from families in August. I want to give a couple disclaimers. Okay, first of all, many families that enroll in August are great. They're just fine. And I know that my I'm biased because of my experience. And some of them are moving from another city. I think that that puts them in another category Mainly with these red flags, I'm talking about people that are in your area, have been in your area, and then at the last minute, I perceive two weeks before the first day of school to be the last minute, they're calling and they want to enroll and they want to enroll right away. Okay? So, first of all, many families that enroll in August are just fine. Okay, second disclaimer, you probably have very thorough admissions policies and procedures at your school and you follow them to the letter. But sometimes there's a lot of pressure. Sometimes it's the timing. And we'll talk about why even when we have good policies that when we get these August phone calls that it becomes a little more challenging. So Let's go with our five red flags for enrolling families, new families, in August. Number one, temptation. Number two, lots of schools. Number three, having a hard time getting records. Number four, owes tuition. And number five, hurry up, hurry up. So let's get into these five red flags. So red flag number one is temptation. And this one has to do with you. It has to do with me more than it has to do with the family. So let me explain what I mean. There's a temptation when we get this phone call to be super, super excited about it. And that's fine. But we look at it through the lens of, well, we need kids. And, well, you know what? I'm really busy with the teachers and with getting ready for the school year. And so maybe there's a temptation to not be as thorough with our admissions policy. And 
maybe we don't get around to making that one phone call that we need to make to the other school, or maybe we don't have all the records by the first day of school, but we have some of the records, and so we let the students start. And I want to admit that I have given in to this temptation many times, and that has contributed to why some of these families, some of these kids did not work out. They were not mission appropriate for my school. They, we were not able to meet their needs. There were situations where it came out later that they were running from a problem. Um, maybe they were the problem. Um, so again, there's a temptation to fast track it. There's a temptation to be super excited about it and kind of talk ourselves into it because we need students. But what I would encourage when it comes to what do we do about this red flag when it comes up is first of all, be thorough and maybe be more thorough than usual. I always say that the closer the call is to the first day of school, the more my antenna goes up. The closer the, the call happens to the first day of school, the more questions I ask. And so we need to be thorough. We need to ask lots of questions. I make sure, again, um, I've told you that I'm head of intermediate and middle school at my current school, fourth through eighth grade for the last 11 years, before that 21 years as head of school at a Christian school. And so I'm at a Jewish day school right now. So when I have fourth through eighth graders that want to come to our school, I have a rule that I have to meet with the parent and the student. And I like to ask all kinds of questions. And one of the questions that I'll ask um, is, well, what was the most trouble that you got into at your most recent school? And kids are always very honest. And there have been many times where the parent has been surprised by the answer. It might have even been something that they don't know about. And it's not all about, like, did this kid get in trouble or just assuming. And I'm not just asking those questions of the kids in August. I'm asking them of kids that enroll at other times during the year because we want to know. We want to know who we're getting. What are, were there academic issues? Were there social-emotional issues? Are there, is there a learning plan? Are we able to meet their needs? We just have to be thorough and ask lots of questions. And if you've got it all locked down and you've got an admissions procedure and policies at your school and you're very thorough, then that's fantastic. What I would say is, is that a lot of our schools don't. And even the ones that do, sometimes we have a temptation to fast-track an August phone call. So just be very, very thorough, ask lots of questions, and don't give in to the temptation to fast track it and to um, let being busy, legitimately busy, keep you from making those phone calls, getting all the records, and asking lots of questions. Okay, red flag number two is that this kid, this family, has been in several different schools or even a few different schools since this child started school. So let's say that I'm talking to a fifth grade family of a rising fifth grader and it's August and I'm looking at the records and this child's in fifth grade but we're going to be their third school in four years. 
Okay. So what do we think about that? Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask it in a different way. When you're looking at a resume for a new teacher and you see that they were at a lot of different, have a lot of different jobs and they were at every job for about two years before they switched to a different school, what do you think about that? Well, whatever you think about it, you're probably going to ask about it during the interview, okay? And I think it's fair to ask that of the family. Now, if those schools, those three schools in four years are in different states, then there's probably a logical explanation. It probably has to do with work of one of the parents that takes them to different places. Maybe one of them's in the military. But if they're all in your area and they're going to different schools, they're in a public school this year and then they're in this private school. And okay, why? What's going on? Um, and what I've found, and this isn't always the case, sometimes there are completely reasonable explanations, but sometimes what it is is that they are not happy and they are not, it is not possible to make them happy. They perceive that that school and then that school and then that other school didn't meet their child's needs, couldn't meet their child's needs. And so are you now going to meet their child's needs? So again, ask lots of questions. I, in addition to our application, which has two teacher references, I will often call and get a reference from the principal, the division head, the guidance counselor, somebody that knows this child and knows the family. And you can tell them that this is off the record. Um, and then keep it off the record. If you're going to tell someone it's off the record, then don't come back to the family when you tell them, well, we're not accepting you and say, oh, well, so-and-so at your last school said blah, blah, blah. You need to find out what's going on especially when there's lots of schools that they have attended. All right. Red flag number three. The family is having a hard time getting records. So you at your school, of course, are going to ask for copies of their records. Um, typically, we've asked for, over the years at both of my schools, we've asked for the most three most recent years, three years of um, records, academic um, report cards, um, discipline records, and achievement test scores. Okay? So let's say that's what you're asking for. Let's say it's a rising sixth grader and you want third, fourth, and fifth grade report cards, discipline record, achievement test scores. All right. This family is telling you, you know what, we're having a really hard time getting records. That's a red flag. Um, they're saying, well, there's no one at the school. Um, the school's giving me the runaround. Um, the, the family is making a lot of excuses about why they can't get over to the school. It might be transportation. It might be this. It might be that. First of all, this is not your job. And so don't make it your job. Make it their full-time job to get the records. Okay. Now this school isn't going to release the permanent records and you don't want this child's permanent records because you haven't accepted them yet. What the family needs to do, what this parent needs to do is if that school is open, if there's a person in the office, which is usually the case at that time of year, 
we're talking August, you make it their full-time job. All they have to do is walk in there and say, we're considering another school. I would like photocopies of my last three, my child's last three report cards, achievement test scores, discipline records. And if they just stand there and wait, they are going to leave with those copies in their hand. And so my point is, is that it's a red flag when you're having a hard time getting records because it is not that hard for them to get those records. The other thing that I would just strongly encourage you to do is no matter how much temptation there is, no matter how good of a vibe you have about this family, is to not accept the student without records, without seeing those records, with you know, and here's the thing. It's like I've, I was talking about them going up to the school and getting the photocopies. Most of the time now that doesn't even require getting up to the school to do that because the, the administrative assistant or the registrar at the school can scan those and email them to your school. But regardless of why you're not getting them, they are going to be highly motivated if you are very – draw very – draw a line in the sand and you're very, very clear about it. This child is not going to start, not be accepted till we get those records. Um, think about your teachers. Okay. Let's say that there's a lot of pressure that you've got like one year of records and they look okay. And it seems like they're getting the runaround and it seems like legitimate excuses, their reasons sound valid, blah, blah, blah you're getting pressure from the family and they're starting to say, well, you're keeping my kid out of school. You know, let's say that you don't let them start and it's the third day of school at your school year. You're getting all this pressure, but think about your teachers. So you let this child in and then it comes out after you've accepted them that there's some kind of academic need that is going to be very challenging to meet or there's a social emotional need or there's a behavior issue and then they completely change the dynamic in the class, they're all going to be looking at you because you're the gatekeeper. So red flag number three is having a hard time getting records. Red flag number four, and this might be the reason why they're having a hard time getting records, red flag number four is if they owe tuition to another private school. So I've found in a few cases, more than a few back in the 90s and early 2000s. It's less common now because most schools use facts or something similar that's an auto deduct. And so, you know, owing tuition um, when people had to write a check and drop off money or, um, you know, drop off cash at the school and things like that, you know, 90s, early 2000s, it was more common to owe and have a financial obligation at another school. But it's even though it's less common, that doesn't mean it never happens. And so it might be that the reason that they're having a hard time getting records is because they owe money to that private school. And if they owe money to that school, are they going to be able to meet the financial obligations at your school? So I feel strongly about this one. Do not accept a student into your school that owes tuition at another school. And if that's not part of your admissions policies and procedures, I would recommend that you add that to your admission policy. And not only the fact that will they be able to pay at your school, 
But I think that we owe some collegial courtesy to the other private schools in the area. And, and in my experience, I've also done this where it was a, they owed money to a private school in a different city and they moved into our town. I feel like I still owe collegial courtesy to that private school that if they're owed money, that I'm not going to let that child start at my school. And then when they showed proof and I got the green light, the thumbs up from that other school that they had settled their account, then of course, if all other things were fine, then we accepted them. So red flag number four is, is that they owe tuition to another school. And then red flag number five is what I call hurry up, hurry up. So when I was in college, I had a summer job after my freshman and sophomore years in college where I was the lot attendant at a car dealership. And what a lot attendant does is you wash the cars, you get a car ready for if someone sells, this was at a used car dealership, if someone comes on the lot and they buy a car, you know, then you're getting that car all cleaned up for that customer to get it delivered, you're putting a license plate on it. But you're also doing basically anything. You know, it could be landscaping. It could be, you, you name it, I did it, okay? And the hours were long and the days were hot, um, 9 to 9, Monday through Thursday, and then 9 to 5 on Friday and Saturday, okay? And the reason I'm telling you this is because every once in a while, there would be a customer who would walk onto the used car lot at around 10 minutes to nine, 10 minutes before closing time to buy a car. I saw it happen several times each summer. And they did that for a very specific reason because this person was gonna haggle and negotiate with the sales associate and that sales associate wanted to go home at nine o'clock. They'd been there all day, okay? And the reason that they come onto the lot at 10 minutes to nine is because they know it's probably going to work. It's kind of a last minute thing and, and that person's tired, they wanna go home. And so there's some aspect to it where there's some brain science behind it. You probably won't be surprised at this, that when we feel like we're under pressure to make a decision, the clock is running down, that we don't make as good of decisions as we do when we're not under that same pressure. Why do you think a player in a basketball game has a higher percentage of making free throws during the whole game than they do during the last two minutes of a game or making the final shot as the seconds run off the clock. And I'm just thinking even of like board games with my family, we like to play categories. You got this um, letter, um, you got this card and all these different random things and they all, you pull, you roll the dice and it says letter S. And so you have to come up with as many of words of these random things that come, start with the letter S. But then there's this timer, right? And as the timer starts to count down and, and it, it's um, making its noise faster and faster and faster, you're trying to make decisions and you're trying to come up with it and you're like, oh, and your brain just kind of freezes up, all right? So why am I talking about my summer job in college and board games at my house? Because you will feel like you need to hurry. You will feel like you need to hurry. And we make worse decisions when we're in a hurry. 
and I just want to pause and make sure you get this. They are the ones that created this time crunch. Okay. We, why, you know, that's part of the questions that you're asking. Like, why now? Why, why? And they might say, well, our financial situation changed or, you know, when all the back to school, I've heard all of these, my financial situation changed and that could be true. I heard another person say, you know what, when all the back to school um, shopping stuff went up in the stores, that made it real. And then we really thought about like the situation at the previous school where my child was bullied and we just really can't go back there. And so, you know, there's some super legitimate reasons why they might be coming to you in mid-August, but they created the time crunch, not you. Your priority in mid to late August, your priorities are your teachers and your current students. And you're going to do your due diligence with fulfilling your responsibility to follow your admissions policies to the letter. But I just want to give you a heads up that you're going to feel pressure to hurry up and get this kid in your school before the first day of school. And that sometimes, it was true for me, that sometimes leads to cutting corners and then leads to regret because some things come out after the fact that illuminate the situation more and maybe we shouldn't have taken this kid. So I want to hit those disclaimers again. I mean, by, by no means am I saying that any family that calls in August is a problem. Okay. There are lots of legitimate reasons why a family might call in August. What I am saying is in my experience, the closer to the first day of school that someone calls, the higher the likelihood was that it did not work out very well. And so it's just a thing to know and then to think of these five red flags. And the five red flags are our takeaway, big takeaways from today's episode. Number one, temptation. You're going to feel the temptation to fast track this, to get that uh, enrollment, to get those tuition dollars into your school. And the temptation will be there to not be as thorough as you need to be. Red flag number two is that this family has been at several schools before coming to your school. You really need to dig deep into that and find out why and what's going to be different at your school. Red flag number three for someone that wants to enroll in August is that they're having a hard time getting records from their previous school. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, but I've found that you do not make that the job of the administrative assistant in your school office, you make that the job of the parent that's enrolling. Red flag number four is that they owe tuition to another private school, and that one's pretty self-explanatory, and we want to show collegial courtesy and make sure they settle their account before you would consider accepting them. And then red flag number five is, is that there's going to be a lot of pressure on you from the family to hurry up, hurry up, and make a decision. They're going to call, they're going to email, they're going to want to know. And some of that stress and is coming from a real place and might not have an ulterior motive, but you need to remember that in mid to late August, your priorities are your current teachers and your current students, and do your due diligence with following your admissions policies and procedures with this family. So I like to end every episode with a call to action. Your call to action is to follow your admissions policies to the letter 
And that is especially true in August. And your second call to action is, is if, if you don't have a clearly written admissions policy, you need to create one. And you might not have time at this time of year to do so, but it's essential in order for you to make sure that the families that you enroll, the children that you enroll are mission appropriate for your school and that you can meet their needs. So follow your admissions policies, especially in August. And if you don't have a clearly written admission policy, create one. All right, let's wrap it up. I've created a free resource for you. I mentioned it at the top of the episode, the six things that every private school teacher wants from their leader. And I really think this guide can help you out. Um, and your teachers will want to follow you if you do these six things. And you can get that at the privateschoolleader.com slash guide. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. And let me know if you're getting value from the podcast. What's a pain point you're experiencing right now? What's an idea for a future episode? And you can get the show notes for today's episode over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 41. And a new episode comes out every week. Apple, Spotify, YouTube. I'm on Instagram at the private school leader and Twitter at the PS leader. And if you got value from this episode, I'd love it if you would share it with another leader or aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I just want to say I appreciate you, and I appreciate how hard you're working to serve the kids and the teachers at your school. Thank you so much for listening and taking time out of your week to be here today. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember, serve first, lead second, and make a difference.